Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. We are continuing the series that we are in that we're calling Blessed and Stressed. And what we've been doing and what we are doing is talking about this idea that as Christians, and I know many of you are Christians, as Christians, we know we're blessed, right? We, 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 we know we're blessed. We feel God's blessing in our life. We are grateful Honestly, we are grateful for everything that God has done for us, is doing for us, will do for us, and yet we're stressed, okay? We just, we're, if, if we're honest, we would say, yeah, I'm blessed, but, I, but I'm also stressed, that there are aspects of all of our lives where our faith and our feelings are not exactly lined up. They're not exactly on the same page. And so each week, what we're doing is we're taking a look at specific stressors we're trying to find out what God has to say about those stressors. We're trying to see if God has any advice to help us navigate and, and mitigate those stressors in our lives so that we can feel a lot more blessed and a whole lot less stressed. Last week, if you were here with us or if you're not here with us, we talked about burnout. What happens when you feel like you're at the end of your rope? You can't just, you can't take anymore. You feel like you're going to snap. You feel like you're going to break. If that's you, you're not alone. But go to our website, soflowchurch.com, check it out. You might be blessed by it. But this week, what I want to do is I want to talk about really what I believe amounts to two of the biggest blessings that we have in this life. That is friends and family. People who love us. People who care for us. People that we can have fun with and we can share memories with. And people that we can lean on during the tough times and learn from throughout our lives. Friends and family I would argue, and I think the Bible would, would agree with this, is I believe really are a gift from God. I really, really do. However, right, this whole series is kind of about the however. For as much as you may love your friends and your family, and for as much as you are grateful to have them in your lives, some of those same people stress you out. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're bad people. We would never say that. But I would say, and I'm going to argue this today, is that some of the people in our lives exhibit what I'll call toxic traits. These habits, these behaviors, these ongoing actions that really do stress us out and can wreak havoc on our mental health. Now, here's the thing. You want to spend time with these people. You do. You, you, want, you want to spend time with them. You, you want to love them. You do. You love them. But sometimes they just do things that make it so so the question that I want us to answer is, okay, how then do we love the people that stress us out? Because maybe in your situation, it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's your spouse. It could even be your child. As Christians, again, many of you are, we are not called to just write people off in our lives. Okay? Jesus calls us to love each other as he loved us. So how do we do that? How do we navigate these people in our lives that we're grateful for and we're blessed for, how do we navigate some of their toxic traits? My goal for this series, when I kind of laid it out, was to have one stressor per week. But this week, as I started writing about stressful people, I realized just how stressful people are. And so what I want to do is I want to give stressful people two weeks. This week and next week, because quite frankly, we need all the help that we can get. Okay? So next week, if you're in town, I'd love to have you back. We're going to talk about critical people. There's people in our lives that always just have something to say. Okay? It's always a comment. Very rarely it's a compliment. That's next week. Today what I want to do is I want to focus on those controlling, 
people. Adam alluded to this earlier. Now let me start off by saying this. Some of you, because I don't know your story, and, and you might be here and you might be here watching online, some of you, unfortunately, may have really been hurt by controlling people. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was somebody in authority, maybe it bordered on abuse, and if that was something that you endured, I am so sorry that was a part of your life. And if it's ongoing still, please reach out to us. Help us to come alongside you and encourage you and, and to support you in that. But more times than not, more frequently, the people that try to control us are generally not malicious people. In fact, most times, and they'll never say this, but most times a controlling person really is just needy or insecure, and this controlling behavior of theirs really amounts to nothing more than just a character flaw. Now, many of us have friends who are controlling. Many of us have parents who are controlling, and we really do love them, but when that controlling, manipulative behavior rears its ugly head, it is just exhausting. It's exhausting. So how do you know if you are dealing with a controlling person? They're actually very easy to spot if you know the tools of the trade. For example, you can spot a manipulator by the way they use threats. They might not come right out and threaten you, but they're going to let it know through some form or fashion that if you don't do what they think you should do, there's going to be a problem. Maybe it's the person you're dating. They're pressuring you sexually, let's say. And maybe it's implied or even directly stated, either you put out or get out. Maybe it's your boss, and your boss terrifies you. And your boss knows that you need this job. And so they just hang this over your head like the sword of Damocles. Maybe it's a spouse. They're always threatening to leave. Okay? Controlling people love to use threats. You can also spot a controlling person by the way they use guilt. They love this one. This is a very effective tool. I want to throw a couple of examples of guilt trips, shall we say, up on the screen just to stress you out, just to kind of get the blood. just want to get us all on the same page so we all know what we're dealing with here. Maybe you have been on the receiving end of this beauty. You ready? After all I've done for you, and you won't do this for me? Gosh. I see how it is. Wow, okay, okay. No, 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 I'll remember it, I'll remember it. After all, I've, okay. This next one's a real peach. And I've heard this before because I'm in ministry. It's been said to me. I've heard it said to other folks, right? This, and you call yourself a Christian, right? That's after they just hit you up for 50 bucks and you said no, right? This one's a real work of art because let me tell you why. Not only do you now feel guilty, but you're also questioning your salvation. You're like, wait, are they right? <laughs> what, and you're left wondering, what what is my responsibility as a Christian to, to this person, to these, pe to these people? One last one and I'm done. This last one's tough because this last one, there could be an element of us perhaps being at fault. Maybe we're dropping the ball a little bit, but even if that's the case, in my personal experience, this last one is just classic controller. Right? You never call me anymore. I could be dead for two weeks and you wouldn't even know. If we're talking about your mom or your dad or your grandparents, I would argue that you do have some responsibility to check in with them, okay? My dad's a phone guy, my mom's a texter, just stay connected at some level. However, let me talk to those of you in this room or watching online that may wield this guilt trip, right? You've said this, you think this. If you're keeping track, and let's be honest, you are, 
if you're keeping track of how long it's been since someone has called you, then I would challenge you to pick up the phone. Because all you're doing is building a case against that person. All you're doing is setting that person up to fail, and you are stockpiling bitterness in your heart, and Scripture says do not go down that road. That's a problem. So if you actually have something to say, or if you just want to hear their voice, not a problem. Phone works both ways. So how do we as Christians love those people in our lives who either intentionally or unintentionally try to control and manipulate us? And because we're doing this series, how can we break that cycle so that we can be a little less stressed? To have this conversation, I want to look at a really small interaction that Jesus had with a guy named Peter. We studied Peter this summer. And in this interaction, what you're going to see is Jesus telling his disciples God's plan for his life. Here's what God's going to do through my life. Here's what my plans are. And then Peter famously steps in and tries to control Jesus. We're going to be Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. In other words, this is who I've been called to be. This is God's will for my life. This is God's plan for my life, and so this is what I'm going to be doing. But Peter has other ideas. So Peter, it says, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now notice, this is important, that Peter took him aside. Classic controlling behavior. They often try to isolate you, to get you away from your friends or your family or the group because they know that if they can get you by yourself, they'll have a much better time manipulating you and controlling you. So Peter does this. He pulls Jesus off to the side, and then Peter tries to impose his will on Jesus, and he says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. This is not what I want for your life, Jesus. This is not what I believe that you should be doing. In other words, I know better than you, so I'm going to tell you what you should do. So how does Jesus respond? How does he react to Peter trying to control him? says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus spots this controlling tactic from a mile away, and he shuts it down. He doesn't say what we often say. He doesn't say, well, I don't want you to be mad at me, so I guess I'll skip the cross for you, Peter. The reason Jesus is not phased at all is because he knows something. He knows what God has called him to do. And if we want to successfully navigate the controlling people in our lives, if we want more, to be more sure of ourselves and be a whole lot less stressed, then we need to know what God has called us to do. When someone tries to step in and control your life and your destiny, you've got to be rock solid. You've got to be crystal clear in knowing what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be. Jesus was extremely clear on what God called him to do. He would say things like this, for the Son of Man, that's how he referred to himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's what I'm here. Then he gets even more specific. He talks about who he came for and who he did not come for. He says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus understood that there is power and there is protection in knowing what God has called you to do. Whenever we start talking about God's calling in our lives, and I can feel it even now, 
the energy just changes in the room. And we get kind of nervous all of a sudden. Because we, when we hear about God's will for our life and God's plan for our life and God's calling in our life, all of a sudden, and maybe it's human nature, I don't know, we start thinking about this huge, grandiose plan. Well, maybe, what if God's calling, maybe God is calling me to, to sell everything and, and, and move to Africa and be a missionary. What if, what if God is, is, wants me to, to cure cancer? Maybe, maybe. Not based on the footage I've seen of you, okay? Generally speaking, God's calling in our lives is not that specific. Generally speaking, God's calling in our life involves the people around us. You're called to love your wife. You're called to love your husband. You're called to, to raise your children, to love God and, and to love others. Maybe you don't love your job. Maybe you're not necessarily called to the job you're in, but maybe God has called you to minister to someone that you work with. Knowing what your calling is incredibly, is incredibly important because calling provides clarity. It gives you direction in life. It, it drives everything that you do. It allows you to know this is who I am in God. This is what I'm doing in this world. And that knowledge is priceless. It will give you a tremendous sense of confidence and peace. But here's the problem. And this is where many of us kind of get ourselves in trouble. Many of us are people pleasers. We want people to like us. We don't, we, we, we don't want people to be mad at us. We want them to be happy with us. And so when a controlling person steps in and says something like, well, you should do this, you shouldn't do that, that's hard for us to ignore. Because we don't want them to be mad at us. And we know, because of past experiences, that if we don't do what they say we should do, they're going to get confrontational. They might threaten me at some level. They, they might begin to guilt trip me. And so what do we end up doing? We do. What do they want us to do? Here's the problem. Ultimately, people-pleasing is a form of idolatry. We are wrongly putting other people's opinions of us ahead of God's calling for us. Because there are people in our lives, well-meaning people, who have a very clear idea of what they think you should be doing. They've got a very clear idea of how they think you should live your life and run your family and what career you should be in and how you should use your time. And they may love you. And they may want the best for you. But if what they're trying to get you to do goes against God's plan for you, that's a problem. We want to be careful to not surrender the direction of our life to anyone other than God. That's not easy. And it's particularly difficult when we're dealing with a parent. When you have a parent who exhibits controlling and manipulative tendencies, it just hits different. It's hard to say no to a parent because we love them. It's hard to say no to a parent because Scripture says that we are to love them and to honor them. But when and where do we draw the line? Let's talk about that because sometimes in order to maintain sanity, you do, in fact, have to put healthy boundaries in place. We've got to draw a line in the sand and we say, hey, I love you. This is not going to work for me anymore. It's exactly what Peter, what Jesus did with Peter. Peter tries to control Jesus' life. Jesus famously responds, get behind me, Satan. That's a pretty firm boundary. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go around calling people Satan. It's more of like a you could try that. I know you're not Jesus. It might not work as well. It might not be well received. But what I am suggesting is that you go to 
you know, you're one friend. And you go live with me. You could pout. You could hang up on me. You could unfollow me on social media. I'm still going to love you. But this controlling behavior of yours, it's, 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 it's got to stop. Maybe it's your spouse. And it's, hey, I love you. But his attitude, these threats, this is not what God wanted for this marriage. This is not how, how Christ wanted this to be. So we're going to make some changes. Here's why having this hard conversation is so important. And you're not going to want to hear this. But you're here for the hard things. Okay? Every controlling person has someone who allows their behavior to persist. And when you're on the receiving end of that, listen, I know that stings to hear, but it's important to know that we do bear some responsibility in this. Which means if you're in a relationship, any kind of relationship, parent-child, siblings, em employer-employee, any kind of relationship that is not God-honoring, then we need to change what we accept. I love you, I respect you, okay? But this changes today. Sometimes we get stressed out because we deal with controlling people. However, sometimes the reason we get so stressed out in this life is because we are controlling people. It's very easy to talk about those control freaks. But what happens when we are the control freaks? Now, I am not a control freak. I just want that stated publicly. However, I do have what I like to consider expert opinions that I freely dole out to the people in my life when they're just not doing it right, okay? For example, and I've talked about this from stage before, and we had a great conversation about this after the first service, so you'll talk about this later. Um, I know the proper way to load a dishwasher, and I will impose my will upon you. Now, when family visits, and since you guys live in South Florida, you know how often family will visit you and stay with you, okay? Whenever they visit my house, and they load the dishwasher, it is pure chaos, okay? They got big plates next to bowls. They got forks facing up, knives facing down. It's madness, folks, okay? It's like, have you ever seen a dishwasher before? And I have been known to literally take out their dishes and reload them properly all while maintaining eye contact with the person. Does it make it awkward? Yeah. Okay, does it make them feel comfortable as a guest in my home? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Will I stop? Not a chance. Never. Here's what I know, and I don't feel bad, because I'm not alone. Because we're all, let's be honest, we are all little control freaks. We all like to play God at some level, right? Telling people what to do, how to do it. We think we know better than they do. I mean, this is true, right? Husbands, you want your wives to listen to you. Wives, you want your husbands to listen to you. Parents, you want your kids to do what you're telling them to do. We like to play God. Problem we don't make a very good job. And for that matter, we have no real power when you think about this. Think about this. No matter how much you may threaten and guilt someone, you do not have the power to change them. You don't. Only the Holy Spirit can change a person. For as much as you try to be a helicopter parent, all right, you do not have the power to control your child's future. Only God has the ability to open and close doors to direct your child's steps, which means control is an illusion. And when we finally realize that we don't have the power to control things, we finally realize that we have no right to control these things, 
When we realize we have no business trying to control these things and these people, then and only then do we stop trying to be like God and finally start surrendering to him. When you finally release everything and everyone and all the situations that you're trying to control into God's hands, then and only then will you experience peace because you were not meant to play God. It's effectively what Jesus told his disciples that day. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, here it is, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, you can't be your own God anymore. From the moment you say yes to Jesus, it's no longer about your will. It is all about his will. Why is that important? Because anytime we let somebody else wrongly control us, anytime we try to wrongly control somebody else, at some level, we're trying to be God. And the only way to live is to surrender to his will. And the only way to let others live is not to control them, but to entrust them to their heavenly Father. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So today really was one long practical. But what I want to give you is I want to give you three prayers, three short prayers to help you take this message and run with it. Three prayers that I believe will help you feel a little more blessed and a little less stressed when you're dealing with the controlling person in your life, even if that person is you. First prayer is this, God, help me to know what you want me to do. This is that calling that we're talking about. Now, when you pray this, I want you to really pay attention to the burden that he puts on your heart. Because it might look a whole lot different than you expected. For me, when I pray this prayer, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am called to be the best husband I can be. And I mess that up time and time again, but that's my calling, and, and I ask God to help me in that calling. I know that I'm called to be the best dad that I can be. Now, when it comes to my job, a lot of us talk about our jobs. What's God's call? Okay. You get to see me doing my job. I don't get to see you guys do your job. But when it comes to my job and this calling here, I will tell you this. It has taken me a long time to understand my calling because I'm a little different than the average pastor. And the truth is, until I understood fully how God wanted to use me and my personality and my background and my history and my faults and all that kind of stuff, how God wanted to use me in this role, I was never fully comfortable with myself. In fact, I was vulnerable to, to criticism, talk about that next week, and controlling people, people saying, you shouldn't say that, you should be more like this, you should do things this way. But like we said today, calling provides clarity. And so if anybody tries to distract me from being me on this stage, if anyone tries to get in the way of me being the best husband I can be or the best dad I can be, I shut it down. I've got to say no. So it's God, help me to know what you want me to do so that I can have confidence in this life and I will not bow to the pressures of others. Secondly, I challenge you to pray. God, reveal to me where I've surrendered control. Lord, have I surrendered the direction of my life to 
anyone but me. How about this one? Lord, have I ever surrendered my life to you, God? Have I ever let someone else intentionally or unintentionally take me off your course, God? Have I ever chosen their will over yours? Show me, God. Convict me. Give me discernment in these areas. And then I would challenge you to pray, God, empower me to make the change. This is where the rubber meets the road. God, help me to have those tough conversations with those folks in my life. Give me the strength and the courage to say what needs to be said. And then God, please, prepare that person's heart to receive. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, one of the biggest things that we as human beings struggle with is control. We try to control everything. Other people, our own lives, and it's just an illusion. We have no real control. And God, I'm so thankful for that. Because when we finally realize that, Lord, we can put it all in your hands. We can realize that you are in charge. You are writing a bigger story in our lives. You have a plan. God, we know that you will work together everything in our lives for our future good for those of us who love you. God, I pray that today those of us who are struggling in relationships that are controlling, that are not God-honoring, you would give us the strength and the power to put up boundaries, to say we will not live in this kind of life anymore. We will not accept these things anymore. Most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would get us into a position where we fully surrender to you in everything knowing that you are in control. And we ask all of this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen.